And now, this week's edition of Big Face with your host, Samantha Jane Tilton. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Big Face. I am your host, Sammy Jane Tilton, and my guest today, actor Todd Allen Crane. How you doing? Hi, I'm great. How are you? <laughs> Good. <laughs> I love it. It's so funny. It's so nice to see you. It's so nice to see your face. It really is. <laughs> and I just, so it's so funny because we started talking guys like for a second. And if those of you that do listen and watch, I never like to have any conversation before I jump into an interview with somebody. So if we start talking about something, I'm like, no, 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 shut up. Stop, <laughs> We're saving stop it. Stop talking to me. Stop talking. So you just, to yeah. But you just made a comment uh, about my background and how nice it looks. It's really, it's fantastic. Thank you. It's like, you know, you live in a studio, you make a little corner for your, for your home. And this, this is what I do. <laughs> and for your videos, you got a corner for your home and your videos. It looks great. It's very like, well pieced together. <laughs> Thank you. Which is, and this is also a terrible conversation for the podcast. Because who can see it? No one. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's right. If you were just listening and not watching on YouTube, I am very sorry. But the backgrounds we have going on, you're really missing it. You should really watch YouTube. <laughs> you should really watch YouTube because I don't have a face for radio. Some of these guests have faces for radio. <laughs> it's one of my favorite phrases ever. It's one of so my favorite great. phrases ever. <laughs> I wanted to. I I I wanted you to to talk about that because I wanted to comment on your background right now. Mm, and yeah. yes, guys, we are going to get into acting and everything that we can imagine. But I did not know until um, you wrote me your info that you are an artist as well. These are, I, am I correct? Yeah. And these are ones that you created behind you? Yes, they are. Uh, they are all paintings that I've done, which is awesome. And this one, I just posted the big one that's directly behind my head here. Um, wow. <laughs> again, for the podcast, you can't see it. <laughs> um, but I just posted a video on how I put that thing together. And it's the largest one I've ever done. It's three feet by four feet, which is a wow. huge, that's 12 square feet of canvas. Yeah. And I was, I was, it's been, that canvas has been in my uh, home for a year, wrapped up in the cellophane that they wrap it in when you yeah. go to the store and buy it. Because I was so intimidated because it's so big. It's so big. And this specific technique that I use, it's called acrylic pouring. And there's a, um, a spin aspect, aspect to it. So you put it on the cake turntable yeah. and then you spin it out. And that's what makes it look like that. But I'd never done one on a canvas that was that large. And it turned out really well. I'm super, super happy with it. It's, and it's gorgeous. You know, thanks. It's very bright yes. and dramatic and kind of powerful and, and over the top, which is, which is most of the work which that is, I do. So. <laughs> I was like, which is pretty much us in a nutshell. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, it's like, a, it's a wrap up. It's a wrap up in the canvas. It's exactly what it is. And then these other pieces, these other three that are on my other side are, they're a different technique. That's what I first started doing. So, <clears throat> excuse me, I moved into this apartment um, uh, three years ago now, two, uh, two years ago. And um, I had all of these blank walls and it's the first place that I have lived in New York City by myself. I was in a relationship for a very long time yeah. that ended and then I found myself in this new place and, mm. and I had all of these blank walls and I, was, I kept thinking, it'd be really nice to have something on the walls, but I don't know if I wanna go out and buy something 
let me see if yeah. I can try to make something that I wouldn't be humiliated to display if somebody actually <laughs> saw it when they came over. So I, I, I don't even know how I saw this video. It was on YouTube or it was on Facebook. Somebody had posted on Facebook and it was somebody doing this, this technique with a hairdryer and acrylic paints and a canvas. And I was mm. like, I have a hairdryer. So I gave it a <laughs> shot. And, and I think I have 47 of them up what? around my place now. I know, right? I've done over, I think I've done wow. n- 90 of them altogether. I think I've done 90 altogether. Um, over the past couple of years. So, you know, I have all oh of these God. things and, and these different techniques and they're all very different styles and um, they're very versatile, which is really, really nice. And I, I sold my very first commission uh, to my friends, Andy and Kim, which was very wow. exciting for me. Um, That's especially, amazing. Thanks. It was, uh, it was a big challenge because they were four 24 by 24 paintings and I wanted them all to be, they're all very similar to this one. They're yeah. very brightly colored. They wanted very, very bright colors and they wanted them all to be the same color scheme, but just look different. So I gave myself the challenge and it took me almost five weeks to do it, but I did it wow. and they were awesome. They turned that, out really well. So, I, and I, I wanted to address this because guys, I know Todd from when I'm casting and he's coming and auditioned and he's We'll talk about things that he's done, but he's a very talented actor and he's a lovely person to be around, but I didn't know you were also an artist. And so I think it just, it's so wonderful. You're so multifaceted. Thanks. I, um, especially during quarantine, um, it has come in very handy to kind of keep you occupied. Um, On the flip side of that, I'm an only child. So um, any only child will be able to tell you this, that uh, when you spend a lot of time alone as a kid, you yeah. start to become resourceful in finding ways to entertain yourself. And for yeah. me, yeah. when I was a kid, television was a huge, it was the thing that I turned to. My parents worked during the day, you know, five days a week. And, and I, during the summer, it was just me in my house. There are no kids mm-hmm. in my neighborhood. I don't have any kids in my wow. family. So it was really, it was tough. I, I, I had a really hard time Hmm. adjusting to the fact that I was alone so much but television became so important to me and and I watched a lot and then um you know putting yourself in quarantine again after having been single um yeah you find something to occupy your time it's just something that we do as only kids it's not we're not reliant on any other people to fulfill that kind of um entertainment um, aspect of our lives when we are by ourselves. Yeah. We don't have to go out to dinner. We don't have to go to clubs. We don't have to do all that stuff. We know how to be by ourselves. That's what we do. It's, it's kind of what we do a lot. It's pretty, I mean, that's definitely in like, you have to adapt like, and you, and yeah. you have, and it, while, like you've said, that was difficult and to Very. say the least, I'm sure. But yeah. the fact that at least for myself, it's been a process of like being okay with being alone and, you know, sitting still with myself. I feel like that's just a, the human condition. And for me, it's, it's always a struggle. And right. so I feel like that made you better prepared to be a human and have to be resourceful in the present yes. time and whatever that yeah, is. For I, you. Absolutely. I agree with that hundred percent. And I have friends that are, you know, they're from larger families and this yeah. period of time has driven them insane. They don't know how to handle it. Right. They don't know how to adjust. And that's kind of not only what we have to do as, as performers, we have to mm-hmm. be able to adjust and, and make changes on the fly, but you've also got to make changes that kind of sink in and, 
and you deal with from your heart. And if, if you are a person that is accustomed to constantly being around people and constantly having conversations, I understand how this can be a challenging time. Yes. And you've got to find ways to make yourself not go crazy and specifically for performers to still like to still feel like you're involved in the business in some way. So yep. I do videos on how I make those. And so I kind of taught myself some in and outs of Final Cut Pro. Of, <clears throat> excuse me. And um, I've been, I have 17 videos now that I've posted on YouTube and no one sees them, but at least they're that's, there and I'm doing it, right? That's what, <laughs> like, people see them, but more people will see them now if you're smart. Cause if you are <laughs> listening and you're not seeing this, they really are really beautiful. They really yeah. are beautiful and, and wow. And it took you five weeks, like. Yeah, those, those paintings, um, I, I mean, this, I can do a painting that size. Yeah. I was done in, it's less than an hour to, to do one of those. But for the ones that I did for my commission, they have a coating on them, which is called resin. It's a very clear, hard mm -hmm. plastic like finish um, that comes in. It's a jug, two jugs that you mix yeah. together, equal parts, mix it together, pour it on there. You have to be very careful with it. You have to pop the air bubbles with a blowtorch mm -hmm. and make sure no dust flies in it. And so it's, it's a whole process. So wow. in, in between each layer, it has to cure for 24 hours before you can put the next layer on. So I had 12 layers to put on. And wow. after a while, you're like, you know, because of, you know, I had four different paintings. I, sorry, I had 16 layers to put on. So it was, it was a lot of work. Oh it was a lot of work to do and wait 24 hours. And then you have to scratch it up with some sandpaper and then yep. clean it off and then put another layer. It's a lot. It's a huge process. But then again, I'm an only child and I'm used to doing stuff by myself. So I'm good with that. I'm, I'm totally fine. You know, totally it's, fine it's, it. I totally get, I, you know, I was not an only child, but uh, due to life circumstance and stuff, my brother moved away when I was, uh, you know, a teenager and my mom had passed away and my dad was going through his own process. And I had me and I had to figure out how to live. And that's really hard for me. It was really a process. And I totally identify with when I first got my own apartment, which was uh, only uh, it was like four years ago. I started, I too did not want to just like buy things. I'm like, what do I want to do? And I started like building furniture and refurbishing furniture. Like oh. I got an orbital sander and was like, stripping stripping and then I made my own stains and like distressed them <laughs> and like that's the stuff that I have like is my furniture and like things hanging on my wall is a, mostly the things that I built or you know and it's that is amazing it's who the hell knew I never knew I could do that right you don't know until you try it and then sometimes you're like oh my god I could actually I enjoyed that and I think I could probably do that again which you clearly did in finding <laughs> all of these these handsy things that you're doing in your apartment, which is kind of amazing. Good Lord. It's like, there's something, but I don't know. I don't know if you feel this way. There's something like so gratifying about creating something with my hands. Yes. I know exactly what you're talking about. It's, it's, it's a, it's when I'm acting, that's, a, that's like a total, it's exactly at the right thing at the right time. Like it feels, but this, the building with my hands, yeah, fixing is just like, I don't know. 
It's insane. Yeah, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. I, I also cook and bake a lot. So I love wow. the science that for me, it's, it's the hands working with your hands. And it's also the science of it. I love um, baking because it's a very precise set yeah, of right. things that you have to put together and you know what the end result is going to be. It's the same kind of thing with my paintings because there's a formula for mm -hmm. the paints that you have to mix together. So there are nine different ingredients that go into this formula in the three different elements that I have yeah. to use to make something that looks like that. And, and I love the science of it. I love the exact measurements. I have a scale that I use and like, I, I, but I understand what you're saying about the handsy, like you, you understand you, there is such an, um, an internal joy that you feel from having made something with your own hands. Yeah. That there's, it's, I, yeah. We're both, by the way, if you're, if you're only listening, we're both just shaking our heads kind of like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah we get it. You get it. You get it. And, I love it. And you know, like, uh, seriously, and you know, for any of the, you out there that feel like, oh, my dad is somebody that hires a handyman to do everything. Like, uh, it's just not his, it's not his thing to like be, fix things around the house. And he has no interest. But I encourage anybody that's like, oh, I could never do that try if you if you feel an try. ounce of you would want to know try what's the worst yeah. that could happen i mean don't go doing like electrical work you know without knowing anything <laughs> that's the one thing i'm like i'm not gonna go there yeah. no 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 <laughs> not unless no, i really like, learn because that's dangerous right. that's so dangerous that's so, i thought so, about so it but dangerous. i was dating somebody i was going to do a fan like through and they oh, were like yeah they were like and they were this like in construction and stuff idea. they were like they were like you might want to pause <laughs> <laughs> keep building but stop doing that <laughs> right so awesome it's, yeah there, there is something that kind of feeds your soul like this is the way things used to be they people used to do a lot of stuff with their hands now it's just typing on a computer and and um and it is so different from what we do as actors so i mean different. the acting is the internal stuff and actually having something physical to do with your hands is kind of it fulfills your whole being then which is really lovely ah I love that you that you get that and that you're the same yeah. it's such a it's really a wonderful thing you know yeah. you you spoke about like with baking and stuff that mm -hmm. there's a formula mm -hmm. and I'm curious about you for me um when starting to act and when starting to approach this business it's not for me I found there is no like set formula or set path like there isn't like if I want to get if I want to be a lawyer I have to go to school I have to do this I have to pass the bar with acting there is no set formula for every given person and for me I'm very good if I have something to follow but left to my own devices it can feel so overwhelming and impossible that's where you and I differ I would much rather be left to my own devices because it then forces me to figure it out on my own. And mm -hmm. I do a lot of mentoring of young actors and I teach workshops. And, and um, one of the things that I tell them is in any mentoring session or any workshop yeah. I teach is this, everything that we're going to talk about in the next couple of hours is my opinion. And if you did another workshop with another actor, mm -hmm. you would hear completely different things because no, like you just said, no one's path is the same as anybody yeah. else's. There is no set in stone way to go about this business. Yeah. One of the questions that you get all the time as an actor is how did you get your agent and manager and how can I do it? 
Well, yeah. I can tell you my story, but you're asking me two very different questions that have nothing mm -hmm. to do with each other. I'm going to tell you the story of how I got my agent manager, and then you're going to have to figure it out on your own because there is no way for me to tell you this is a surefire way. If you follow these steps, these six steps, you will absolutely end up with an agent or a manager at the end of this. Nope, that's not how it works. Mm -hmm. You ask 50 different actors, stand in Times Square, not right now. But at any, <laughs> yes. any normal time during our lives, stand in Times Square and ask 50 actors that walk by, how did you get your agent manager? You will never hear the same story twice. So ever. It's, a, it's ever, ever, no matter what city you're in, not just New York, but it, it, it's different for every single person. And yeah. there is no easy answer. You've got to go through the steps yourself. You've got to figure it out for yourself. And that's sometimes really frustrating especially for young actors because they don't know where to start when yeah. i first moved to new york city um right after i graduated I, I moved here 13 days after i graduated and i wow i thought i was ready <laughs> i i went to school i grew up in illinois i went to school in ohio for four years i moved here 13 days after i graduated and wow. i went through one of the worst time periods of my entire life it was a two-week time period where I said I was living above, there used to be a Ben and Jerry's on the corner of 43rd and 8th Avenue. There used, to, I don't know what's there now, but it, yeah. was right, it, was, it was actually the building where New York Times was actually printed. It's not printed in Manhattan anymore. There's a studio out in- or a, I know exactly what you're talking about. I know exactly yeah. what you're talking about. <clears throat> so I lived on the, um, on the 10th floor of that building and mm. I, that in the windowsill, there was literally one window. It was just one window and it was a room that was- Welcome to New York. <laughs> right? It was the size, the entire apartment was the size of probably your bathroom. Like there was, it was big enough for a twin size bed, a table with one chair and a wardrobe. And then I had a um, one burner. It was a, an electric thing. And one of those college fridges and a sink I... with it. Like that was it. I mean, then there was a little bathroom, but it, yeah. was, it was tiny. So. There was wow. a time period when I first moved here that I had no idea what I was doing and I had nowhere yep. to turn. I didn't have anyone to turn to. So I sat in that windowsill for two weeks straight, just looking out from the 10th floor of that building, just watching people walk by on 8th Avenue and 43rd Street. And the only thing that I could think of sitting there by myself mm. was they, they all have somewhere to go. All of those people are walking somewhere. They're going somewhere. They have things worked out for themselves. They know what they're doing. And I don't have any idea how I could even join those people. Like it was the Little Mermaid song that I want to be where the people are. Mm -hmm. Like I literally wanted to be where the people were, but I couldn't figure out how to get there. And I could see a deli from my window on the, on the uh, west side of 8th Avenue. I would go down and I would get my lunch at that deli and I would scurry back to my apartment, sit in the windowsill and I would eat my lunch and look at those people walking around on the street. And I kept thinking, mm -hmm. I am so alone. I've never been so alone and so completely without a clue in my entire life. And here I am and I have nowhere to turn. And it was the weirdest, wow. darkest time of my life. It wasn't like a suicidal thing. It was a I am completely lost because I did really well at school. I did really well at school. And I thought, mm -hmm. of course, it's just going to transfer over and I'm going <laughs> to get to New York City and I'm going to end up in a big fat Broadway musical. That's not how it works. That's how it worked in your head. 
because you were living some, you were thinking about some fantasy life, but that's not how the reality works. So I had to Mm -hmm. learn that it took so much hard work just to get out of the apartment, to go to that open call or to go to um, get at that stage, uh, backstage was a a magazine that you actually go, went to the newsstand and purchased. Um, There was no online when I first moved to New York City. So you did everything manually. And then you would, you would go back to your little crappy apartment and you'd circle the ones that you thought you were right for, the audition notices you thought you were right for. And then you'd put those headshots and resumes in an envelope and then take them to the post office. And then you'd wait three or four days or five days or a week or two weeks before anybody would call. Chances are you'd never hear anything. <laughs> and then every week you would keep doing the same thing over and over again. Hmm. But now things are all on your computer and you can right. just take a look and there are 5,000 notices that you can That's, search through and just submit yourself through a click of a button. So the, t- the time is different and you have to be able yes. to adjust as we, as we mentioned several times yes. already. <laughs> but that experience that I went through as a young actor in New York City trying to figure it out, it scarred me so badly hmm. that I made myself a promise that if I was ever in a position to give back to the career I was hoping to have one day, I would do it for anyone that asked me and I would never charge them for it. And I've stuck by that. So anyone that I mentor, I don't charge. All of the workshops that I teach, I don't charge. It's because I don't have to. I'm not doing that to make a living. I am doing that because I feel that the information that I have gained throughout my entire career is not just mine to keep. It's my job be able to, to spread that information and maybe make it a little easier for somebody who's kind of struggling through trying to figure it out themselves. And I understand how hard that is. I understand yeah. what a struggle that is because I have been there. And I've talked to a lot of people that who have attended my workshops or mentoring and, and they say, you know, there aren't very many workshops given by actors because it seems as if everybody has their own struggle and their own path that they've clawed and gnarled their way mm-hmm. through to get where they are. And that's my information. That is mine to keep. I'm not, why would I bother to share that with anybody? I struggled for so long to get here. I worked really hard. Awesome. But that's not your information to keep. That's the way I feel about it. I, I feel like, yeah, I've been given some amazing opportunities, but if I don't turn around and help out somebody behind me, who is in in no way in direct competition with me because I don't see yes. other actors as that. You're not in direct competition with everybody else. You're just, you're competing with yourself. I want to be better at the next audition than I was at my last one. You're competing with yourself. You're not competing with the other guys that are sitting out in the lobby. So mm-hmm. anyway, that's that's my story. So that's, that's where I started. And, and to this day, I... I help, I'm a coach auditions and I, I help people with self tapes and I do it just because it makes me feel better. And every time I do it, it puts a fresh band aid on that still open wound that I experienced as a 22 year old young actor moving to New York City and yeah. not knowing what the hell he was doing. So it's nice to put a fresh band aid on things sometimes. It really yep. is. You know, in, uh, in 12 step programs, they say, um, like, in order to keep what you have, you have to give it away. And, wow. and, and I always loved hearing that, um, from others. Cause it's, uh, I, I truly believe that. And I, I truly believe that that's also why I was meant to be an actor because of whatever experiences 
were that I went through, whatever gave that desire from the time I was born, there it was it's purposeful and it's meant for others, not for me. Whenever right. I've thought about quitting acting and everything, it's uh it's so self-willed because I'm like, it's yeah. not about me. And if yeah. this was what I'm supposed to do and to maybe make others think, to make others, it's then that's why it's not about me. I'm a vessel. And right. like, I think that I, I love everything you just shared. And, you know, I actually wrote down. So guys, um, when I asked Todd, he said, I'd, I'd love to, I'd love to be on the show. And you even wrote just in a uh, quick email when we were scheduling, you wrote, um, it's important for you to, sh you said sharing as much of your experience as possible. And, yeah. and I, I wrote that down because it meant a lot to me. I, I feel the same way. I, I don't believe in, in hoarding my experience. I believe there's nothing even when I'm teaching or there's nothing that brings me joy, like being able to help somebody with an ounce of what I have. Right. That's right. It's, it's meant, it's like, I, I, for me, like yourself, my story's different, but it was a very painful process trying to figure out, it still can be at times because I'm still figuring it out Absolutely. a day at a time, but right. I, I have that much to tell somebody like I did this and you get past it. Yeah. I'm like that too. Of course my brain works like that. It's not always going to be that way. I yeah. think it's important and it's, and it's so beautiful that you mentor people and you're there for people because being alone and having to figure it out all by ourselves is you did it. And I, I tried to do that for so long and hit so many walls that I realized I have to try and get support in figuring things out. Yes. yes. And sometimes, I mean, it's easier now because communication is so much easier. It's mm -hmm. easy now to just send somebody a text. So I tell people, look, I'm going to give you my number but yeah. please don't call me. Don't call me. Just send me a text because I know yeah. it's much easier to communicate. Like, and there's no shame involved in that. Like, hey, can you explain to me what an open call is? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And then I'm very fast to write back. I don't want to have a, con a phone call about that. If you want to have a FaceTime, awesome. <laughs> but I don't want to sit on the phone with you. I don't want to do that because I want to have, I want to make sure that A, you have something to read. You can look at it again and again. If so it's a smart. Text. Or B, I want to have the face-to-face -face conversation because you will remember that. You're not going to necessarily remember the phone call that we had, but you will right. remember the FaceTime that we had because it means something. It's more personal. But I want to answer your questions because I don't want mm -hmm. you to feel alone. I don't want anybody to feel in any way like I felt when I first moved here. And it was crappy to go through that. It was really hard. So looking back at the journey that I have gone through, I've been unbelievably lucky and I've been given amazing opportunities that I, I, I'm proud of, but I look back and I think that 22 year old who was sitting on the 10th floor of that building, just eating walnuts and watching people walk down on the street. That's really like, who are these two people? And how, how are they the same person? How can they be the same person? If your journey, it, 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 no matter what it is, how painful it is or how glorious it is. You may not have any bad experiences. I don't know who that would be. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Those people right? are like Greek to me. I have no idea right. what that even means. <laughs> I don't think they exist. I, I can't imagine that they exist. But no matter what your journey is, it's, it's your own personal story. And if someone else can learn and benefit from that, why would you not share that with them to make possibly their journey just a little bit easier?
I know. I, I completely agree. And I, I, I get frustrated. I always, I say this and it's not necessarily, this isn't like fact, but I always feel like there's two kinds of actors. There are people like what you're talking about where they are generous. They give whatever's been given to them. They want to help their fellow actor or, or whoever. And then there are other people that it is a competition, that it is, it's, it's very, very <laughs> self-oriented, self-driven, and it's about them. Yeah. And, um, sometimes there's middle ground, but I feel like I usually come across one or the other. And, yeah. uh, I had a point to, to that, but, <laughs> <laughs> but I appreciate like, I like there's, I, I'm always drawn to people. I, you know, it's like a sense. It's, a, I always have a great sense when you come in and you have a lovely, you, you have a great essence, a great spirit, and it, it's it's palpable, which is why Thank you're you. here. And I'm so I'm so happy to have you. I am so happy to be here. Thank you very much for saying that. Uh, you know, I heard this really great story. Somebody had posted this on Facebook, or I saw it yeah. on YouTube, or something. It was a, it was a video of Brian Cranston, and it seemed like he was giving he was being interviewed on stage. I want to say in a group in front of a group of actors. It may have been at NYU. It may have been I don't know where it mm -hmm. was really exactly, but. Um, somebody had asked him in the audience, they'd taken questions from the audience and somebody had asked him, what do you think about the audition process now and how different it was when you first started out? And he said, I love that question. And I'm going to bastardize mm. this. So I'm going to get it wrong. Yeah. So forgive me if I, <laughs> I get the details wrong, but this is the gist of it. he said, you know, and what we, you had just mentioned, like in competition, he said, I used to think about me being in a waiting room with the other guys and I'm competing against them. So I'm measuring them up one by one looking around me thinking, okay, do I stand a better chance at this job than that guy over there, even though I've seen his work and I know his resume and he's mm -hmm. done a lot bigger things than I have. So that's how I used to think about it. I am in competition with everybody sitting here in this waiting room. And he said, then I got to a certain point where I started to feel a little bit more successful in the business. And he said, then I started to think about auditions in a way that he said, let me ask you this question. Let me tell you the story. He said, imagine that your best friend in the world is constantly complaining about how cold they are in the wintertime. And they really wish they had a scarf. It, I think that a scarf would just make this coat is great, but I just wish that I had a scarf. And then you go out and you get that person a scarf, the warmest, most beautiful scarf ever. You give that person a scarf and you know that they have this experience. They have this joy from having received something that they love so much and that they weren't expecting. Hmm. He said, that's exactly how I think about auditions now. He said, I don't compare myself to the other people. And Grant, Brian Cranston doesn't have to audition anymore. But he said, <laughs> at that point, I learned that I wasn't in competition with the other guys sitting in the waiting room. He said, I'm just there to offer a gift. I am walking into that studio to give either just the casting director or the casting director and the producers and the directors mm -hmm. and the clients or whoever it is, I am there to give them a gift. This is what I've worked on. Mm -hmm. This is how I've worked on this material so hard with a coach or without a coach. I've, I've, I know who this character is and I've worked really hard and now I'm going to give you this gift. This is what I have to offer for this role. And if you think that I'm right for this role, great, then we're on the same page. If not, then that's okay, because I have plenty of gifts to give at, for other casting directors and other directors and other producers. Hmm. So it's, it's this oh, it's a different mindset. If you can just think about it in a different way, as opposed to 
I am out here clawing my way through this business, trying to make a name for myself, as opposed to thinking, I already have a name. It's my name and I'm unique. And one of the biggest things that I try to tell, especially young actors, is to figure out exactly what it is that you're great at. Not just Mm -hmm. good, but great. The thing that will make you stand out first Hmm. at the beginning of your career. I didn't know any of this at the beginning of my career. I figured it out. Looking back yeah. at it now, right. Looking, this is why I wish I had someone like me to tell me like, I know. what you need to do. Like, Trust if I had me, I know. To, to tell me, like, look, you need to figure out exactly what it is that you are great at. Not just good or mediocre, but great. Hmm. Because people will start to notice that. You will become known for that. And then you can eventually branch out, which is exactly what happened with me. I knew I was great at comedy. I knew it. I knew it in seventh grade in Mrs. O'Brien's photography <laughs> class that I was great at comedy because I thought if I can make an adult laugh, I think I got this. I think <laughs> I understand how this works. And she was funny. She was a good teacher. She was awesome. But I learned in that class. Oh that my God. I, I learned pacing and I learned timing in terms of like kind of standing up on your feet and improvising your yeah. way through something. Um, and that kind of transferred over into college where I was. I knew that I was great at comedy and I could Mm. nail whatever it was that I was given. I didn't realize that I was building this kind of tool chest or this, this, um, this little box of, of tools that I could pull out and use for different auditions and Mm. different characteristics and different characters. But I figured out very young what it was that I was great at. So I pursued that anytime Mm. that I saw comedy, I sent my stuff in because I thought, I got that. I know that. I can mm. give you a different twist on it than you've ever seen before. And I'm confident with that. It was different. That confidence is different than cocky. I was confident. Very I knew that I could do it. I knew that I could do it. Just give me the chance. And that's how I started. And mm. luckily enough, I was able to do a show on Comedy Central called Broad City. And that was a big deal. I for remember. Me. Like, that's exactly how I got my manager. We met. It was... Uh, a month and a half before I booked Broad City and we had agreed to just freelance. So um, we met and um, she said, I don't freelance with people, but let's give that a shot and um, see if it works for you, if it works for me. Yeah. And six weeks later, after we signed, or after we said that, we didn't sign, um, I booked Broad City and she was like, yeah, let's go ahead and sign. <laughs> so um, I was off and running and she has single-handedly changed the course of my career. But I banked wow. on something that I was good at, not not just good. I was great at. I knew that I was great at comedy. I was great at developing characters that were unconventional and fun and would say things in a weird way or just like that was that was something that was in me. So that's my biggest mm-hmm. piece of advice for young actors. Figure out whatever it is that you're great at. If you're great at drama scenes, if you're great at being the bully, if you're great at dancing or singing, mm. whatever that is, do so much of that. And this is the Steve Martin quote that kind of goes through my head every single day. And somebody asked him, what's the secret of your success? And he said, be so great that they can't ignore you. Mm. That's kind of, the, that's the whole nut of this business. Yep. Be so great, they can't ignore you. So that's it. That's the solution. That's the secret of the acting business. If you're great at something, they're not going to ignore that. No one's going to ignore that. 
And that's how you get your foot in the door. Your talent will keep you in the room, but you have to get your foot in the door somehow. Hmm. That's my recommendation. Find out whatever it is you're great at. That is so, that is so well put. Um, Like, it's something to really think about. I've I've never thought about it quite like that. And, you know, you said confidence is different than cocky. And that's very true. But I, I think, uh, or at least I've found in a lot of other actors, there's so much self-doubt, so much. Yeah. Uh, and that keeps people, at least from what I've seen, from being able to feel like they are great at something or trust that they are great in something. You said comedy and I'm, I'm like, kind of like in awe because I was always told, so I grew up hearing the messages that, um, women that are funny are fat, unattractive, annoying, loud, pains in the asses. So even though people always said, your your timing is like this, like you're made for comedy. My acting coach, when he met me, he's like, comedy is your way into this business, blah, blah, blah. But I grew up never thinking I was funny. And it's still a thing, like the confidence in it, it's still building because of, you know, right. being able to have because confidence. Because of your past trauma. Yeah. Yeah. And the other part of confidence and the lack of confidence in this business is that we are constantly being told, no, you're on a daily basis. You're, you're being rejected from that job and from this job and from six jobs coming up in a row. Like you're constantly, (laughs) it's hard to, to, it's, it's very difficult for actors, no matter what stage you are, if you are relying on somebody else to tell you that you are great at something, you are always going to be waiting to hear that as opposed to having to turn it inside and say, you know what, I'm real, I'm gonna nail this. I am nailing just this one line yep. in this audition because I think this is really funny. <laughs> and and that's something else that I, I tell other actors is, is give yourself a goal, give yourself one goal, just start out with one goal. Like I am gonna nail this word in this entire four page script yep. that I'm doing in my audition. If I get that, then I'll have won. Then I walk out with a trophy, knowing that I'll have achieved my goal. Yeah. And if you didn't quite get there, at least you attempted it. You at yep. least got in there and you thought about it. Like it was a process that yes. you went through. I'm going to give myself the goal. I'm going to go to the waiting room. I'm going to think about it. I'm going to work really hard. I'm going to get in there. If you meet the goal, awesome. If you don't meet the goal, that's fine too, because you went through the process of trying to create a goal for yourself that you tried to meet. And that's awesome. That is awesome. But the but the feeling good about it regardless. That's yeah. that's that's the important thing. I like it's not how it went. Like, yes, no. would we like to nail every freaking audition? Of course. Yeah, I would like to be the best at everything in my life, but it's not always the case. No. But the the going like, good job. You f- yeah. you effing brought it. And you yeah. brought everything you had today. And if I didn't get there, for whatever reason, I didn't get there that day. But right. like, it's there. I got to trust that it's there and let it go. Yeah. Leave yeah. it there. So the confidence feel good. with, yes, and feel good. Oh my God. How many times do people walk out of the auditions and not feel good? But I, there's always something to feel good about it. The fact that you even got the audition at this exactly. point, that's good. That's, that is huge. That's great. That's a huge thing <laughs> because there are literally 500 girls that look exactly like you that didn't yep. get that call. You exactly. got that call. 
you got in that room because you might have a, a, a relationship with that casting director or a better relationship with your manager who pushed really effing hard to get you in that audition. Those 499 other girls didn't get in, but you did. Yeah. That's an accomplishment. If you get in there and crap the bed, fine. You got in the room and you made an impression. You may have left a smell of poop in the room when you left, but still. <laughs> but still, but you still were in the, room. in the room. You got in the room. That's great. Good job. <laughs> I say it's so funny because I say that to my friend often too. Like, I'm like, but you got this audition. Like, do you know how many people didn't get this? Even whether you book it or not, like you got right. this audition. That says a yeah. lot as to where you are and like something to exactly be grateful right. for, you know? That's exactly right. And sometimes I get that it, it's just not quite enough. Like getting that audition is not quite enough because you want this job so hard, yeah. so much. And you know that you are this character then you have to start thinking about one of the things I talk in my workshop also is things that you can control and things that you are that are out of your control. Mm -hmm. You can't control the resume of somebody else who's in, in a competition, quote, quote, but right. with you for the same role. You have no control over the fact None. that they may have already made an offer to someone after, or before you walk in the room to audition for that part. You have exactly. no control over that. The only thing that you have control over is giving your gift, as Brian Cranston says, in the room to the people who are sitting behind the table. That's what the goal is. Give yourself a yeah. little goal. I'm going to nail this word or I'm going to nail this sentence or I want this moment to, to, to mean something to me. I want to feel something when I say mm -hmm. that. Great. If you meet that goal, that's your gift. You walk out of that room feeling better about yourself as a performer without having to have that external pat on the back. You do it yourself. Yep. Because sometimes there yes. is no pat on the back. You're waiting. You're like, most of the time there's not. Your shoulder. You're just waiting. Like, <laughs> could somebody just, guys, somebody just pat guys. me on the shoulder? That'd be great. Anybody. I'll literally, it doesn't matter who it is. I could, I'll take any. Is your kid in the office today? Just have him hit me. Like, just somebody, <laughs> like a dog, like a, just a bump up against the shoulder, like anything. I'll take anything. Throw I, something at me. I'll take it. I don't throw, care. <laughs> right. If it's a book or a brick or a shoe, it doesn't matter. I just need somebody to, make contact with me that'd be great <laughs> but this business is so hard and we beat ourselves up so much and we feel the external beat up all the time as well so the more people that we can find in our lives that make us feel better about how crazy and insane this whole business is or other actors that have have similar experiences that you can bond with having conversations with people is really important and finding a little network or a little a little nest of people that you can rely on to share stories and swap stories and learn from that's that's kind of it's community building first of all yes and second it gives you somewhere to turn because the worst feeling in the world as i have explained and experienced is being alone when you don't have anywhere to turn you don't yes. have anyone to turn to communication is important communication yes. is very important very um, yeah. thank you for saying that that's, yeah. um, and uh, I was not going to do this podcast because, uh, it became about me and like, what if nobody listened? What if, what if, what if, what if, what if, and it became right. apparent finally, that's not finally, it, fi it, it just became apparent that it's not about me. If right. we're connecting right now, yeah. so many 
of the people in our field or just humans can identify with this. So if people, if this at all reaches one person and it makes them go, oh, he did this, he got Broad City and it was hard. He had to figure it out. Oh, so people don't just like, you know, and no. that makes, that gives people hope for another day yeah. to keep going. It's like, yeah. that's what this is, connection. Connection yeah. with others and, and hearing my story, their story in others. And I just think it is yeah. so important. It is so yeah. important. Yeah. So thank I you. Learned, yeah, absolutely. I learned so much about myself as a performer in hearing about the experiences of other performers, especially when I was younger, because I, I thought yeah. everyone's story is so different and everyone's path is so clear cut. And mine doesn't seem to be that way. Like they, they now have a path that, but they've had to clear it out themselves. Like everything behind them is how they trudged through. That's yeah. why their path is so clear. Everything moving forward, right. nothing is clear, but everything right. behind them is. And I was at the beginning of my path. I was like at the edge of the forest thinking, all right, how do I, how do, I do this? I don't have any, well, I don't even know where to walk. Like there's no path. Right, that's the point. You have to figure yeah. it out yourself, which is part of the adventure. And, and a lot of people that, that you know, I'm sure, and I know as well, don't end up doing this for a living once they graduate with the degree from school. Mm -hmm. And I had somebody say to me that I did a show with a long time ago that is no longer an actor in the business. Um, he said, you know, I feel like I, I failed. I feel like I, I failed in not sticking with it. And I, I got so angry. Mm -hmm. And I said, let's think about this for a second. I said, first of all, you, it was in Los Angeles. I said, you have a house and it's paid for, right? Yeah. And you have uh, a husband and you both have cars and they're both paid for. You just answered your own question. So if you think that, that maybe you had stuck with the business, that you might have all of these things that you have now. Oh, absolutely not. So how did you fail again? Wait, start over. Because I don't understand the story. Like I'm, I'm not, I don't understand what you're saying because you have this fantasy in your head mm. of I could have achieved so much if I just stuck with it. But look where you are now. You have you have a tremendous amount of things in your yes. life and you're at a really good place and you have happiness and joy right. and great. So even if you didn't stick with the business, something that is constantly rejecting and <laughs> constantly telling you no, then I, I'm confused about where the where the feeling of failure mm -hmm. comes from. That doesn't make any sense to me. And it's it's the lens through which you view it, right? Yeah, and it's right. and and it's so important to hear somebody else like your spin on it and say, um, can I point out the obvious to you? Cause you're not seeing the obvious. And then right. people, it's kind of like, it's kind of like, that's true. I'm like, would you ever do that? And it's like, it's like, no. So so then you're allowed to, you know, it's it's yeah. amazing in our own heads, it can look yeah. very different. Exactly. And I have the greatest conversation I have ever had with a single person happened with a girl at my uh 10 year high school reunion. I think it was 10. Maybe it was 10. Maybe it was 15 or 20. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, her name is Teresa. And we were friends like yeah. in high school. And, you know, we're connected on Facebook now. Yeah. But, um, the greatest conversation I've ever had was with her at my reunion. And because when you go to a reunion, you're like, hey, what are you doing? What are you up to? And I, well, I live in New York City now. And I'm an actor. But, yeah. Uh, and um, I said, what are you doing? And she, without a moment's hesitation, without any sense of shame or embarrassment or 
she just laid it out there. She said, I am the manager of a fast food chain and I love my job. I was like, this is the greatest conversation I've ever had. And I have never forgotten that. That was years ago. And I just remember the feeling of joy that she had because she loved what she did. And she knew that she was great at it. Like, that's awesome. That is like the best thing ever. Right? That's the goal. If you can say what it is that you do and feel so, feel that little flutter, that little first date flutter in in your heart when you say it. I'm the manager, and the name of the restaurant is, is called Beefaroo. That, I'm from Illinois, and that's it was oh. a big chain. That. So Beefaroo <laughs> is the name of the restaurant. She said, I'm the manager of a Beefaroo, and I love my job. And I thought, A, I'm going to start crying in the middle of this reunion, which I'm is like... weird because this, it's the most honest, open, beautiful thing I've ever heard somebody say. And it, it wasn't is... trying to impress me. I'm a doctor now. I'm a lawyer. I'm an architect. Right. Whatever it is. You're, everybody has a bit of posturing. This was not it. This was one human being connecting to another human being. And there was no important mm. place on the fact that I had done television and she had been the manager of a beefaroo for 15 years at that point. It was amazing. We were, I was so oh, had that conversation because I learned so much about myself, <laughs> how important it was to make sure that the person that you're talking to, no matter what the situation is, they feel like they're the most important person in the room always Mm. and she was and she will always stand out in my memory as the greatest conversation i've ever had wow someone specifically that i had only had conversation with once in the past 15 years you know (laughs) and this is this is the human condition you just shared that and i'm and i am deeply affected by that story and this is your best conversation and now it's going to go down in history in my mind as like (laughs) I will not forget that. Right. It's such a great, beautiful, honest human moment. And I was just so proud that I, that of her, I'm super proud I'm proud of, of Teresa. Teresa, if right? you ever see this or I don't know you, but you are freaking awesome. Like. I will never forget it. She, I, it, she made an impression that lasts with me, that it will always yep. be there. It's always a part of my story now. That's, <laughs> wh- oh my God. What else could you ask for? except to do that, to be yourself in the world as you are, to feel good about it and to leave people with a piece of you that lasts. You affected somebody, you moved somebody. That to me is a life well lived, like the best life. life. Yeah, you don't need to have a job on television. You don't need to be the leader of the free world. You don't need all of those things. If you can love, love, love what you do and you're great at it, you won the game. You won the game. And you don't you like- won the game. You said your friend, you were talking about your friend that said like, you know, and I, I wonder like if I hadn't, you know, given up on this business. And my thought to that is there are a lot of people that have regrets or think, I wish I would have kept going. And the thing yeah. is, you can. Like, I yeah. truly believe that. If that's something, if there's something yearning in you that you're like, I, that's not undone, like that's undone, then- it's never too late, but I know it can feel that way because we get set in, in patterns and jobs and, and lifestyle, right. but it's never. No, it's never done. It's, it's never all, done. It's all part of the thing of, of, of adapting and changing and moving forward in your life. 
Yep. If it means that you go back to it, then great. That's part of your story. Awesome. You're writing a new chapter for yourself. Yep. Keep going. Keep moving Keep forward. Going. Try Keep not doing. to get stuck. Because if you live your life with regrets, then you're going to have such a sad, sorrowful time trying to adjust to anything. Yep. And that's not fair. It's not fair to you. It's not fair to whoever you're in a relationship with. It's not fair to the people around you. Nope. Try it's not it. What, Be adventurous. Yeah. And it's not what you were meant. To, if you have a yearning, if it like, right, that's what that's there for a reason. I truly believe that. Yes, absolutely. Figure out whatever it is you're great at and try it. You, yeah. you spoke about um, Broad City being like that changed your like that was the course of your career that that kind of that yeah. happened and things moved. Yeah. What did that feel like? And like, I have so many, what is your favorite thing that you've worked on? What did that feel like? And then I want to know the favorite thing that you've worked on. <laughs> what did that feel like? Okay. So Broad City was a unique experience for me because um, I auditioned for the casting director who I'd known for a very long time. Um, uh, and I went into that audition auditioning for a different part and it was literally he had two sentences um he was mm -hmm. the maitre d of a restaurant i think in the final episode of the first season he was the maitre d of the restaurant the girls come in to have a fancy dinner together and um it may have been the final episode i can't remember but amy polar is actually in that episode if you watch from the first season so yeah. he has this exchange with emmy it's maybe two sentences and he takes them to the table and then you never see him again and that's what i was being called in for at that point no one knew what broad city was it was, it right. was not on the air and um, I, my manager had submitted me for this little part. And she was like, let's, let's get him in two sentences. He's not going to do too yeah. much damage in case he gets in there and craps the bed. So, um, but I knew Cody, who's the casting director. And, and I went in and I, I did my audition and it was fine. And he said, you know what, I, can you do me a favor? He said, I got this script that literally just came in before you got here. And there's this part that I'm not exactly sure how we're going to cast it. And they're kind of leaving it up to us to figure out so can you just maybe go take a look at it and we'll bring you back in. And so I took the sides and I, <clears throat> I went out in the waiting room and I looked at it and it was for this character named Kevin. And it gave a little description that he was in um, a guy and he was wearing makeup and he had braces. He was an adult with braces, but they weren't actual braces. They were some type of mouth apparatus. <laughs> and but they looked like braces and I was like okay and then right there my little tool chest opens up and I start thinking of all of the different characteristics that I can pull out for this character and it was a really fun guy like he was a really ridiculously <laughs> over-the-top image that they had painted in the character description and I thought I think I know who this is I think I get him so mm. I looked at it I looked at the sides for maybe five minutes, the length of time that the next guy took yeah. to do his audition. And um, Cody came out and he said, I can give you more time. I said, I think I'm ready. I said, I, can, can we go in? And he was like, yeah, let's go. And so in the audition, I, I said to him, he, Cody had his bag. Um, there was like a like a like one of those cloth grocery bags Yeah. Um, sitting next to his desk. And I said, can I use that for a second? And he was like, for the audition? I was like, yeah, can I just hold it? And so he's like, yeah, sure. So I took the bag because I saw this character as I'm sitting out in the waiting area with this bag that, <laughs> this is a terrible thing to say, so keep that in mind. And I, <laughs> I mean this in the best possible way. One of the most annoying things in the world for me is watching a woman walk down the street and she's got a bag that she's 
taking up the space of another human being next to her. And the bag is literally on the, the cusp of the wrist. It's not quite in the hand. It's, it's not on the arm. <laughs> it's just balancing out there. But she's got her arm out to her side as far as she can. <laughs> and she's just swinging it. And so that's, I wanted to throw that in for Kevin. I wanted Kevin to have a bag that he was carrying <laughs> that was so like obnoxiously like big and like it's part of him, but he just can't be without it because he's got so much stuff in it. I wanted that characteristic. So I asked Cody if I could use his bag because I just had a backpack with me. Yeah. He was like, yeah. And so I got that job, which was, I was lucky enough to get. And Alana said, my first day, she said, I don't think I've ever laughed so hard in somebody's audition tape. She said, uh, and then I, mean, I told her the story. I said, I had five minutes to look at that before I got in. And she was like, it seemed as if you had been given the script like two days before that, but I know you hadn't because we sent the script to Cody that day of your audition. So wow. it, was like, it was a really great, that was right place, right time. It was the right character in my life at that moment. Yep. And I happened to be ready for it. It was comedy. I knew I could do that. Yep. I didn't know exactly what kind of show it was. There was no real description that I got. So hmm. it was a kind of a crapshoot. Like I was going to take a chance on making this character as funny and outrageous as possible in the hopes that even if they don't like as far as I take it, at yeah. least they'll they'll find something let's pull him back just a little bit great yeah. I can work with that if you want me to go further I can definitely give you that too but I want to give you everything so that you have some options and you can feel it out that way so doing that was you asked me how I felt about it I felt like I was I was it was the perfect alignment of all of the training that I've ever gone through every job leading up to it all of my tools in my my tool chest were available to me at that moment. I had the support of the casting director that I knew and had a prior relationship okay. with. I felt no weirdness about asking to use his bag for the audition. Like it was, a, it was an alignment of all of those things together. And it doesn't always work out that way. But mm -hmm. in that moment, for me, having Cody, the casting director, trust me enough to say, I'm going to give you this take five minutes, create a character from the ground up and come back in. All of my lights were green at that point. I was like, I am on fire right now because I know because of the relationship that we have yeah. that you trust me enough to do this. I am not about to let you down. Hmm. I've let other people down in the past. This ain't going to be one of those moments. <laughs> this I'm going to step up because you've given me a chance and I'm going to show you what I can do with it. And I hope that this is right. You don't know. You have no idea. So, but you, like you said, Brian Cranston said, you gave that gift. That I was your gift to give. And and like Alana said to herself, like she didn't think she ever laughed that hard at an audition tape. And like, right, one of the best gifts in the entire world is laughter. To know that even right. if they just saw the tape, and even if you didn't book it, that somebody laughed that hard. Like, right. That's that is amazing. Well that done, amazing. man. Right. I, and I was very proud of that. I really was. And to this day, I'm still very proud of it. And it was a really great honor for me, for the girls to ask me to come back for the fifth season of the show as Kevin to kind of be this Easter egg for fans of the show that had seen it all the way through and, and the dramatic changes that Kevin went through um, with his face. <laughs> but um, it was, it was, 
I felt like that experience for me. I was only on one episode of the first season and one episode of the fifth season, and that was it. That's all I did. But it was it was enough for me to know that I had done good work. And that's always, that's another thing that I tell actors is just do good work. That's all anyone is expecting of you. No matter what the situation is, yeah. if it's an audition, if it's a performance, if it's you're just going to sing a song for somebody and wherever it is, just do good work. That's all. If you do good work, that's the gift. It's the Brian Cranston gift. Do good work. That's it sounds and, and here's the thing. I understand yeah. how easy it sounds. It sounds ridiculous to say that because it's such a simplification of what we do for a living. That's I get it. I understand that. But you have to get to a point at some point where you take the money out, you take the pressure out, you take the, the status of this job out, you take the extra line on your resume out. That's so much pressure to put on one single audition. If you just go in and do good work, that's all anybody can expect of you, whether you're on set or you're in an audition room. You didn't over you didn't oversimplify it because the thing is, is that that is where every single you laid down all these bricks for us today, describing some of just some of your experiences and what you've been through to get to that point. So that's the freaking amen that you got you got the opportunity. First of all, you were asked to read that copy because they saw something in you, believed that there could be whatever that was, right. that's all you, that's yeah. what you brought. Right. And then you trusted your instinct, you trusted your training, your talent, all those tools and you did it. Right. And you were bold right. and you asked to use the bag, you know, like, right. amazing. It worked out, sometimes it doesn't. And sometimes people are like, I'd rather you not touch my bag, please. Yeah, great, fine. Totally. Like Cody and I had a previous relationship. I don't know if I, if I didn't know the casting director, if I would have asked that same question. Totally get it. But this was, this was a family room. We were all relatives. We all knew each other. It was, we all had a past relationship. So That's amazing. Yeah, that one just worked out. It was an alignment of the stars. So in answer to your question, how did I feel about that job? I felt like a million bucks. And to this day, I'm still very, very proud of that job. And one of the greatest moments of, yeah. of after that job was over, this was maybe um, maybe season when season three was airing of the show. I had gone in for an audition, and um, the casting director had said something about we want this. And we didn't know each other. Or, no, we did know each other. We knew each other very well, and she. Mm -hmm. I said, so can you just give me an idea of, of the, the feeling of this show? Because I'm a little lost. And, and she was like, well, we're, um, it's kind of Broad City. And she said, do you know that show? And I said, I was actually on the show. But yeah, I get it. I guess <laughs> and she, was like, she was like, wait, that's my favorite show on television. What character did you play? And I was like, I played Kevin in the first season. She was like, what? <laughs> and we'd known each other like really well. And it was a great compliment for me to have her say to me, I, I she had to look it up to like she thought I was lying to her that I was actually that I played. No, she did, and I was like, I, "You could look it up if you'd like." And she was like, <laughs> "Yeah, just give me a second. And she looked it up, and I was like, "Wow, she really doesn't believe me." And, and there it was on my IMDb page, and she was like, "I I literally can't believe that this is true because that's one of my favorite characters from that first season of the show." And I was like, "Thank you, that's very kind." So we don't have to talk about this anymore, but let's move on. And she was like, "I I'm sorry, I'm having a hard time, like." <laughs> because I didn't know it was you. 
And I watched it. I've seen that episode probably four times and I still didn't know it was you. And that's a, that's a that giant is, compliment, you know? So there's so amazing. many little, there's so many little takeaways that I had from that one experience, which was extraordinary. And wow, I, man. I'm, yeah, so it was an extraordinary experience. I love it. It's one of my favorite jobs I've ever done. Is it the most favorite job I've ever done? There are two others that I think rank just a smidge higher. Tell and me. One, one was on The Punisher. I did a show on Netflix called The Punisher. Um, That's the last, I think that maybe the last time I saw you was, and I, and I was like, you yes. were, you were great on Punisher. Yeah. And that's, Punisher's one of my favorite characters. Like, yeah. like that Punisher's like my, my dude, that character. Yeah. So that show is like near and dear to my heart. And then when you were yeah. on it, so I'll let you talk about it, but he was, guys, yeah. if you have not seen Punisher, like, and you were so great on it. You did so Thank well. You. It, you, you were Thank you. just right, man. Just right. So go ahead. That please was, tell me about it. Yeah. That was the hardest job I've ever had ever in my mm. 26 six years of, of working in this business, that very first shoot day that I had with John, John Bernthal, who played the, the lead character, the Punisher, yeah. Frank Castle, I had to cry for five and a half hours. This is coming from 30 Rock and from Broad City and from all of these other comedies, the, the, the Demetri Martin show. Like I, I, I've done all of these other things, comedy, 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 yeah. comedy, comedy. And then somebody gives you a chance to do something that's not comedy and uh, with John Bernthal and you don't want to let them down. And that was the very first thing that I thought I can't, I can't let anybody down. So mm -hmm. I'm going to, I want this because I was a fan of the first season of the show and I was in the second season. I knew what this show was like. It wasn't that nobody had heard of it before because I'd watched the whole thing and I mm -hmm. thought this show is violent and it is raw and it is uncomfortable. Yep. And I thought that's exactly what I want to do with this character and i was lucky enough to do four episodes of the show in that very first day the very first thought i had when i got on set and i i knew what i had to do to cry for five and a half hours i wanted to make it as uncomfortable to watch as possible mm. that was my goal and i knew that in order for that to happen i needed to be as physically uncomfortable as possible so i put myself in that position and i made myself so vulnerable throughout that entire shoot. And I learned a lot about myself as a performer, mm. but I also learned a lot about other performers, namely working with John, because I was terrified <laughs> to meet John to begin with, because we are two very different types of people. I didn't know John at all. Yeah. And um, I had seen his work on The Punisher and I knew him originally from The Walking Dead. Like that was right. Sean that's Pierre, how right. I, yeah, exactly. So I, I I knew that he was a big badass and I thought no one's going to see his badass written as this. Like that's, that's not this guy. I don't know how we're going to get along. And so um, I, I found out I got the job and I was like, this is awesome. And then I realized well, I have to work with John Bernthal. This, I don't know how this is going to go because we're not, we're not very, we don't seem very compatible. And so I was in my trailer. I'd gotten to set that morning, the very first shoot day with John. And um, I'd gotten the makeup. Or I was going, the, the PA came to my trailer and we were, he was taking me to makeup and hair. And um, I was nervous because I didn't know at what point I would meet John. And I wasn't sure exactly how this exchange was going to take place and, and how I was going to feel or what he was going to say or 
I thought it, if anything, it would just be a hi, how are you? And, you know, go fuck yourself or whatever. I didn't know. It's John Burnsall. <laughs> you don't know what you're going to get. I didn't know what I was going to get. So I was really like nervous about the lead up. Like, how do I navigate with someone that I am so different from? We mm. don't necessarily speak the same language. And so I walked up the steps of the makeup trailer and I opened up the door and John's chair was literally right in front of the door and he's facing away from me, looking at me in the mirror. And all of a sudden he stands up and I was like, oh, this is going to happen. It's going to happen right now in front of everyone in the makeup trailer. And I thought, this is the moment that I'm never going to forget because I have to really measure out what he's going to say against everything that I have been dreading for the past week leading up to this moment right here. Yep. And he stood up and he turned around like he was getting makeup done on his, um, he had some tattoos on his arm. Yeah, yeah. His tattoos. So um, he just stood up, like he pulled his arm away and he made eye contact first and he stood up and he faced me and we're exactly the same height. He looked me right in the eye and he got really close and he said, hey, I'm so thrilled that you're here. He said, I've heard so much about you and I can't wait to do this stuff with you on the scene today. And I was like, don't fucking cry. Don't cry. Because I don't know what's happening right now, but everything is, my world is not at all what I thought it was going to be. And I said, I, I, thanks, John. Wow. I, I really appreciate that. He said, I can't, I can't wait to get in there. And I was like, and that's how John talks, like a big bad guy. I, oh, I was, I was, like, I was like, the yeah. voice is fantastic right now. <laughs> right? I'm just like. <laughs> I worked with John enough to know that that's. <laughs> Um, so um, that, that was our first okay. meeting. And I was like, oh, oh, no, no, we're good. And so I sat down in the chair next to him and I got my stuff done and we chatted. And it was like, and this is an honest statement. And I have never been able to say this before, but I have never, ever in my career had a bromance like I had with John Bernthal. <laughs> it was, we could not, we couldn't talk enough about acting we couldn't talk enough about the beats of the moment we couldn't get enough we couldn't get enough time together it was it was very strange for me because I've never had that experience with someone that didn't need to do that with me like mm. if you're if your resumes are pretty equal you can get along pretty well right. but someone who's resume like he's the lead in the show he didn't need to extend himself in any way but I learned about his family and his dogs and how hard this job is and how many people have been hurt on set and they try really hard, <laughs> safety first, safety first. Um, and then John had to punch me in the face and he's like, dude, don't worry. This is the safest set on Netflix. And I was like, oh, you're still gonna punch me in the face, John. I don't know how safe it's gonna be. Um, but it was, that was a nerve wracking experience. But um, it was like the greatest, greatest connection I've ever had with another actor that I didn't know that I was going to be working with for a couple of weeks and a we were going to have such a violent relationship and I had to literally be afraid of him um mm. and uh, like it was it was the strangest situation I've ever been in but because of the relationship that I developed with John and with Jason the other actor in the in the trailer with me um it it became this magical unforgettable experience and the mm -hmm. last day of the shoot that I did for that show I remember there were I, for three days afterwards I was so emotionally drained and it was awful I was thinking about that like while you're talking I'm like you must have been so emotionally drained that's exactly yeah. what was going through my mind you yeah. must have been 
I didn't know that that was going to happen. I didn't know that that was a thing because comedy, comedy, comedy. Right. You don't have to go through that with comedy. So you're like, yeah, I nailed that joke yesterday. Right. So great about it. But this was like, uh, I, and this, the last shoot day was, is the wow. really hard material for that character to get through. He's talking about his parents and, yes. and he's gay and the repercussions of that. Um, and it was an incredibly well-written little section of material mm -hmm. that I had to do over and over and over again. And I became more and more vulnerable. And that just lasted for three days afterwards. And it was, <laughs> that was really hard to shake. I'd never experienced anything like that, the hangover. I'd never had that before. I didn't know that was a thing. I'd never heard anybody talk about it. Um, and then the wow. next job I did I, was for a show on CBS called uh, FBI. And Missy, the, the lead actress on that show, we were talking about that, um, about having put yourself in such a state of vulnerability because I got a little upset in the scene that we were doing together. Yeah. Um, and she was like, I had to do this episode of, of Law and & Order and she her character goes to this sexual assault and um, she said the director kept pushing me to go further and further and further and she said I just kept feeling more and more uncomfortable because I I knew that it was it was so raw and it was so real and mm. and it's you have to ride that fine line of yes of giving the director what he wants and making sure that you fulfill the need that you have inside of you for this character and then also kind of protecting yourself at the same time. And she, we yeah. talked a lot about that, Miss Tina. She's, she's a great actress and she's really smart. And uh, it was just, a, I've, I've been really yeah. lucky to have some amazing conversations with people and, and build connections. And again, those things are not just mine to keep for myself. It's like, there are good people out there. I know that you've not probably met some really, really terrible people, but just. But I've also, it. I've also met you and I've connected mm -hmm. with, other people that have been on my show that I did not know. And I am so grateful that I know better now and that yeah. I want to stay connected to. And it's, right. there are a lot of good people. There's a lot of crappy stuff in the world. There is Absolutely. a lot of pain. And, but when you're open to seeing it, there's really a lot of love and beauty too. Yeah. And that's the key. I think you, you hit it right there that you have to be open to it. Like you have to know that there is something else. Yeah. If you if you keep punishing a dog for getting on the couch, they eventually learn not to get on the couch. But there's something always in their head that says, I'd like to be on the couch right now. <laughs> That's kind of the way that we have to think about it. Like we're getting beat down by the outside world and being rejected on a daily basis. Yeah. And you're being told no. And, and, and but there has to be some shred of hope that you hold on to, because mm. if you don't have that hope, then there's no real point in going forward. It doesn't help you move forward if you don't have hope. So that, that's one of the big takeaways for me from this business is I always uh, try to find one shred of hope and it might be just very thin, very, very thin <laughs> hair. Some days, hair. Yeah. yeah. Some days it's just real hard to hold on to hope. And when you know that you're right for this job and you, you don't get a call and then you see it on TV and you were like, I was a hundred times better than that, than that guy. Are you kidding I know. me? Like, <laughs> That was mine. That was mine. But I've seen him in fifty shows, and then you know you you can't help but beat yourself up. But then you just I, try. I did good work that day. I remember do, going in and nailing that audition. I feel good about that. I didn't get that job, and it really sucks and it hurts. But I have hope that maybe that same casting director will bring me in for a, a different part that I might land. So, well put. I. <laughs> I went in for an audition uh, 
for a show that's on network and uh and it was this funny thing and i had to pull a gun on like the main character or whatever and i wound up i i chose like this purse that i felt the character would have and uh i had been running a session that day actually at one of the studios and so i was going to this audition you know uh from the casting and i took one of the staplers from the uh, studio I, was, I gave it back don't worry i gave it back <laughs> <But> <laughs> i wanted something like heavy in my bag that was yeah. like giving me belief that i had a gun like it was actually yeah. my choice whether i actually did have a gun or whatever and yeah. then like putting my hand and like feeling something cold during the audition like i was about to pull and yeah. i long story short i had so much fun i wound up pulling out the stapler and i was like i'll fucking kill you <laughs> like, and then like so funny like then the second time they were like oh, okay but then i dropped it because i had to put my hands up so it made a lot of noise so then they were like they were like great let's do it again without the stapler <laughs> like, and no joke i was so into it again yeah. i took the stapler out but this time oh, i was wow. like all right and i put it in the bag and they and i was like sorry I, I totally just took it out again they're like no it worked that time <laughs> like, <laughs> there you were totally enwrapped in what the, the world of that character like that's an important piece of direction. This time, let's not use the stapler, <laughs> but you took it out like because you weren't thinking about, oh my God, I've got to give them exactly what they're looking for. No. This just feels good for me. You nailed that. It was I so... Mean, <laughs> whether you got that part or not, you nailed that. And it's so, it's funny because I didn't book it, but you know right. what? It didn't matter. Like, yeah, it would be great to book it, but it didn't matter because I knew, like, I was so in that and I... I know I could bring it to this character. And my friend showed me recently, the person that booked it, he's like, I, I take the scene for you. And I'm like, oh man, I would have killed that. Like, <laughs> that's fine, but I would have killed it. <laughs> they were fine, but I just was like, I could have killed that character. Yeah. That's a good feeling, yeah, man. That happens. That happens. That's a good feeling. That's out of your control. That stuff that's way it out of your is. control. And, but you, just finding a way to, to adjust to that feeling and learning what those feelings are and being able to kind of navigate your way through the muddy stuff to get yeah. to the smooth sailing for a while. It's nice and, to, and it's... to have fun. Like yeah. I I had fun and like, I, you know what I mean? Like yeah. it didn't, it wasn't right. I don't know whether it was right or not with the state. It just happened because right. I was in it, it and like, happened. I felt, I, I'm just, it's so awesome to have fun. Like that's yeah. what we did for me. That's what I did before <laughs> I got all in my head about what type am I or the voices that I learned. Right. Like I could just, when I was younger, just play, just jump into right. it. And right. so it's fun to do that now, man. It's so nice to get back to that. It, yeah. I mean, if we can just adopt more of the kids playtime and yep. not think about the outside world and just focus on the work, which you were doing in that moment, that's a <laughs> moment of triumph. That's a moment that a lot of people need to hear. Like I wasn't thinking about the notes that they gave me. I was thinking about the life of this character. I was living that moment <laughs> and I pulled the stapler out, even though they asked me not to like, but then I, it made it work. Like they told me it works the second time. So I know. that's, I love that. I love moments <laughs> like that. Where I you know. completely forget who you are. You have put you are waiting in the waiting room while your body is in the room doing your that's job. That's the that's like those moments are the best ever. The best. The best. the best. They're the I best. Love it. I love, I love it, man. Story. I I love it. Uh man, it's so I there's I can keep talking to you. You're so you're so so wonderful. <laughs> well, we'll we're gonna do it part two. Uh yeah. but um there is a part of my show that is called yeah. The Feather in Your Cap. Yeah.
Okay. And by, you, you shared so much with us already. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> by feather in your cap, I mean an achievement or something that you've learned, something that you bring with you that serves you as you go forward or that that's there for that it may serve you in the future. I wanted to know if you have something that you'd be willing to offer. I, I definitely do. Uh, and it's, it's my other favorite job that I did. Um, I hosted uh, the television game show Jeopardy. Uh, 196 oh. full games of the TV game show Jeopardy with the IBM computer Watson. And um, so it was, I was with Watson from um, the end of 2009 until the beginning of 2011. And I hosted 196 full games, four of those oh games in, in front of Alex Trebek himself. And we became friends and Alex just recently passed away, which is yes. a, kind of a tremendous loss for me because he became a mentor over the past 10 years. Mm. And um, it was, that's a hard, that was a hard, hard day for me. But yeah. the, to answer your question, the feather in my cap, the one thing that I took away from that job that has transferred over into all of the work that I do now no matter what the job is, if it's a hosting gig or if it's a, an actual television acting gig, is to stay present. If you mm. stay present, if you stay here in this moment and not worry about the joke that you may have missed or worried about the line that's coming up, if you just stay here, there's so much more life and so much more viability for that character in that moment that you're living right now. Mm -hmm. Instead of worrying about the future or worrying about the past. And that specifically came into play mm -hmm. while I was hosting 196 games of the show. Because there were, you know, when you get the, the game sheet, it's, yeah. there are 36 clues. Um, no, sorry. How many clues? Like There's six categories of six clues. Six, yeah. six, 36. Six sorry. There's, yeah. I'm like, I'm like, third. There's like, yeah. 36. <laughs> 36 <laughs> or five. 30? I don't know what it is. It's 61 like, clues per game. Sorry, 61 clues per game. So that's 30 in one and then 30 in the other and then your final Jeopardy is one. Sorry, it's been, it's been it. a while. It's fantastic. I was game. like, talk about staying Let's, present. I was like with you, like <laughs> counting. Right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, get it. So there are 30 clues in the first round, 30 clues in the second round, and then one clue for final Jeopardy. And if, so you're going through 61 clues and I did five games a day. So that was a lot to, to go through. You know, there was a lot of questions. It was over 300 questions That's a day. A and if you are thinking about every single um, next clue during the one that you're reading, it's an overwhelming amount and you're undoubtedly going to miss an opportunity, especially in an improv situation like that mm. was because there's no script. You're literally just trying to entertain the, the few people that are playing the game and then the handful of the IBM research scientists that are in the room with you. So in order for you to do your job successfully as the host of a game show or whatever it is, mm -hmm. you have to stay present. You have to stop worrying about what's coming up or what has happened to you in the past. Yeah. I can't worry about the fact that I flubbed that line and I deliberately cost someone the opportunity to get that clue right because I read it incorrectly. Uh, yeah, you can't worry about that. It's just, it's gone. And now we yep. deal with what's in front of us. That's one of been one of the most mm. valuable pieces of information that I took away from that job. Was, that's definitely my feather in my cap because mm. I, I learned from that moment and I had that experience for 26 months. I did that for 196 full games and it was emphasized every day, every day that I, that I was there, wow. stay present, 
stay right here. Stay mm. in this clue. Don't worry about the one that's coming up. You'll deal with that in a second. Yeah. So that has transferred over wow. into my acting world is, and staying right here with you right now, which presents the idea of you possibly being a little bit more vulnerable. If you are in this moment yes. and you are not thinking about the external stuff, the stuff coming up, the stuff that's yep. happened, you're right here right now. You can focus and have a connection with the person that you're dealing with. Yep. That becomes an invaluable piece of information that may not mean a lot to other people, but it meant something to me. It was so personal and so kind of earth shattering. And especially for mm. comedy, comedy works. You have to be right here right now. If you telegraph the fact that you're gonna, a joke is coming up, it's not gonna land as funny or it's gonna be a little off or we're gonna start yes. to see as an audience, your pattern of this is how she sets up a joke, here's the joke line. This is how she sets up a joke because she does yep. this with her voice and then there's a pause and then she gets her joke line. So we, yep. we don't want that. We want you to live in this moment and in an improv situation, that becomes very handy because you're dealing with just the stuff that's here right yep. now. That is definitely a feather in my cap. That's, that's a valuable piece of information that personally means something to me. It may, like I said, it may not mean something to, to anybody else, but for me, that's, that's big. That's a big thing. That's uh, equally to me. That is a big thing Yeah. as a human and as a special, uh, and as an actor right. to be present in the moment, to not be in the fear of the future, the anxiety, yeah. the pain of the past, the, you know, the, you know, any of the stuff that's past or future, to be right. present because everything's be always here. okay actually if i'm right here but as soon yeah. as i go here or here it starts to not be okay <laughs> that's exactly right that's exactly right and so, it's the yeah, yeah go ahead, I'm i sorry. mean as a human being that's a very valuable analogy like we have to stay right here because if we start to focus too much on the before or after then we get a little lost we get confused we yeah. We can develop addictions. We can develop fears and anxiety. Like, yeah. but I want you to live right here. And I heard somebody say something. This is along that exact same lines. It was a um, kind of a motivational speaker on just on Instagram that I, I just happened to swipe through. And he said, you know, the next time that you're going through that moment when you're having an anxiety attack or that you are having this, you're spinning out, your brain mm -hmm. is spinning out, ask for receipts. Ask whatever anxiety or thought you're having okay, I understand what you're telling me that I should be freaked out about this, but show me an example in my past experience or in my experience dealing with this particular issue or this person where this exact thing has happened before so that I am justified in developing mm. that anxiety. And 9.9 .9 times out of 10, yep. there are no receipts. There's no other experience that, no. you can, that you can show that, well, here's the proof that you need to see. That's, right. that's, no, you don't have any proof, so okay, then maybe you're not justified in developing that anxiety about this situation. It's a house I made of cards. Yes, that's exactly right. There's, that, there's nothing in that house. house. You just no. let me think this is a house, man. It ain't a yeah. house. It ain't a house. <laughs> this ain't no house. No, it's just empty. It's just empty. The wind is blowing through it. There's nothing. It ain't there. grounded. Yeah. No, it's barely there. It's true. Somebody who doesn't, who doesn't know how to do electrical, for example, may have done the electrical <laughs> and make house of cards. <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> oh my God, man. It is, it is so nice to have you here. 
Thank you very much for having I, me. I appreciate this. I, I could talk to you. I, I'm like, I can't believe the time flew so fast. I, I, <laughs> I could talk to you. There, it's crazy how much I identify with you with like, yeah. I don't think there's anything. It's crazy. And thank you. Yeah. I hear yeah, so much of, of my experience in you. And that makes me think that there's got to be somebody else that probably identifies as well and maybe <laughs> exactly. might feel connected. So, right. Man, thank you so much. And thank you. Yeah. Well, you know what? So, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you for being here with us. Thank you for sharing this with us. I, I'm, we're both smiling. We're happy. <laughs> <laughs> we had a great talk. This is a great time. This is beautiful. <laughs> Tell us. So, um, we talked earlier um, about Todd's artwork, and he's talked about his mentoring and helping other actors tell us um where we can find you where people can keep up with you yeah um i uh, on facebook todd allen crane is my uh is my name on facebook and um on instagram as well todd allen crane at todd allen crane and um on twitter um i don't do so much on twitter i'm more on facebook and instagram but um, especially for my art stuff so yeah. my art studio has a uh, an instagram channel as well and it's todd allen crane art studio at that's my instagram handle for that but um yeah, that's, that's, if anybody has any questions about the business, I am so more than willing to talk about it. Um, just to take kind of the mystery and the sting out of things. Um, and anybody with any questions, I don't, I don't put any limitations on it, no matter what your experience level. That is, so for those of you that don't know how generous that is, I'll just let you know, that's really generous. <laughs> like, it's, I know for me, I, I always, I want to give everything to everyone and uh, I feel bad if I can't, if I can't right. fully do. So I find it hard to keep up with everything and everyone I care to, if that yeah. makes, I'm sure you get it. So, yeah. so that's really, it's so wonderful that you give, give of yourself that freely in your time. So Thanks. Um, thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. And so guys, um, you know, keep up with us. You can like, rate, subscribe, um, stay tuned and stay connected to us. We're so happy to have you. So happy to have you, Todd. And we'll see you Thank next you week. Me. And Todd, we love you. Love you. <laughs> Best. Thank you. Thank you.